This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Well may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to better ways to push and pull hey whatever gets you through these days hello and welcome to well may we say a progressive podcast about australian politics this is episode 79 for monday 28th of january 2019 I'm Jeremy Sear, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's likely to happen next, and hopefully what we can do about it. This week's guest host is in fact a returning guest host. It is my beloved wife, Denise Pierco. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, now we'll try and get this one recorded quickly before you pop out another human. Uh, it, I'm We're, putting that as elegantly as possible. We, we are on a deadline here. Uh, there are a number of things that I want to play you all this week, and I've been trying in the recent months to illustrate the points that we make with actual the actual audio of people saying things rather than uh, me or Denise or, or our guest doing an impression. Uh, My impressions are horrible. I really can't do an Australian accent. If you dribble a bit, you can do Scott. <laughs> well. Um, but there are quite a few and you're going to need to hear them. And I don't want this to sound a bit like a, a selection of clips, a clip show, but uh, there's going to be a bit of that this week. Uh, that said, though, I'm going to start with something I just read, which was... Bill Shorten apparently telling uh, Western Australians on Channel 7 on Friday night uh, well, a couple of things. One of them, he, he's planning on doing the standard Labor thing of giving plum jobs and diplomatic postings to the Liberals you know, in a you know, display of magnanimity. And you know, if that, he said he was open to Abbott and, ha- and Turnbull and uh, even Howard. Uh, he said, I, I would be open to utilising former Prime Ministers and people of Julie Bishop's calibre if the right proposition came up. Now, I'm, if that were me, I'd be perfectly happy to say that. It's just that the right proposition would be not a government job. Yeah. <laughs> like well, the thing about this is, is it never happens the other way around, does it? It's The Labour Party comes in and goes, oh, no, those liberal, those ex-liberal politicians, they're of excellent calibre. They did great things. Here's this olive branch. We'll install you as a diplomat. But it never happens the other way around. They don't. The well, Liberal Party doesn't come in and doesn't go. Oh, you know what? There's some great ex-Labor Party politicians. Let's put them in. Well, specifically when the Abbott government came in in 2013, they made a point of sacking a bunch of them. Like, no, 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 no. You're our political enemies. You can fuck off out of those government posts. Yeah. And keeping in mind that uh, the Libs aren't going to need any specific posts because they're going to spend the net between now and May shoving all of their position, all of their people into plum positions, lining themselves up for some lovely jobs. In, but like, they're not doing anything between now at the end of January and the election in May that is constructive. They're not governing the country. They're just and setting themselves up for, for time in opposition. Anyone who doesn't get elected is going to end up on a plum board of directors job for some big organization, company, that sort of thing. They're going like, to be these CEOs and these board of directors, people who still through lobbying and the influence of these uh, industries and companies, have way too much influence on the government anyway. Oh, it's the whole revolving door thing, and they've got another four months. So if they haven't already been helping these people out in government so, you know, so they get their post-politics jobs with them, they've certainly got four months to make sure that they do that now. It's going to be you know everything being ripped off in the meantime. Sort of, they, they, We need to... 
we need to not have the situation where the Prime Minister can pick when the election is. That said, I don't think the solution is what Shorten was also saying last night, or oh on Friday night, which is that he was going to try and get uh, four-year fixed terms and, and make the deal with the Libs. And I'm sure the Libs will go along with it because longer between elections is great for the people in power. It's, it's great for the people who have absolute contempt for actual ordinary citizens. Yeah, make it longer between elections. Go from three to four years. Hmm. And they do that each time they bring in the fixed terms, which is a good thing. They should definitely be fixed terms because it's idiotic that the people in power get to pick the time for an election that's most advantageous for them. Like, that's an idiotic system. Though there have been a few things in recent history that we can point out where they've picked that time that where they thought it was going to be advantageous, and it's backfired on them horribly. Oh, it's not a it's not a guarantee, but it is an advantage. It is an advantage of incumbency, which the incumbent already has plenty of advantages and they shouldn't have, and it's not in any way in the interest of people and of ordinary citizens. And yeah, unless unless the government falls, they should be fixed terms. Um, but they should be fixed three-year terms, not fixed four-year mm. terms. And the fact that each time we get the fix to get it corrected, it's not fixed, but each time we get it corrected to fixed terms, they always manage to squeeze it up and give themselves a bit, well, bit like more time and power. Fixed, how about we do a fixed eight-year term? Don't give just, them ideas. Just to give them a bit more time to really get through the the agenda that they need to. Oh, but if they did that federally, well, in fact, that's what he's talking about. Um, so because we have the Senate, it works, half of it goes with each at each election, and the Senators stay for a double term. They stay for six years in, because of the three-year terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we went to four-year terms, there would be Senators getting in, keeping in mind, and the... They can get in on those weird preference things. Your, your, your Darren Hinches get in, but you know, in the old days, we had people like Stephen Fielding, the far right religious fundamentalist that, that got in on um, Labor preferences because they put him above the Greens. Or there are strange things that happen with uh, people having to leave the Senate, and so you have your Fraser Annings. Yeah, people because because the parties get to replace them. So you can have somebody who nobody even knew was on the uh, was a candidate or whatever. And well, what did Fraser Anning have in direct votes? Like fifteen direct first. He had nineteen. Votes? But Nine, it, no, sorry, nineteen. First but one preference. one nation had more than that. That's true. But, and then he got in basically on the one nation ones. Like after after they lost yes. a bunch of other true. shonky ones. But yeah, and there's been a lot of shonky senators who fluked it in there. And the idea of them getting eight years before we get to kick them out again. Yeah, no. No, that that's terrifying. Um, he also ruled out settling Manus or Nauru asylum seekers in Australia as Prime Minister because he's a cowardly git and with a lack of humanity and should be shamed for it and that's another reason why we should be voting Greens instead of Labor. We can preference Labor, mm. but that's just a powerful kicking out the libs, but at least imagine if we actually have the, the Labor Party having to vote with the Greens. It won't happen. Labor's going to get a full-on huge majority in their own right. But well, it's frustrating, and it's frustrating to see them play to the right of the Labor Party and the... the that sort of thing because they become a much more right-wing party every time they do this and they it's them saying things like you know we won't resettle them in australia because we won't be you know softer on border security uh we won't change australia day off january 26th we won't do that either well let's get on to that one um so let's hope that bill shorten is not the persuasive fella he was telling Channel 7 that he was about that. But yeah, so we've just had the January 26th weekend on which people with limited understandings of history or alternatively who are dickheads like to celebrate Australia. And look, it's been good to see that the counter demonstrations and counter protests have have been growing. Yes. Um, Significant numbers in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, There was a, there's now a dawn service basically 
uh, if we commem- we're happy to commemorate Australians going off and dying, you know, in the Anzac Day, and um, we're happy to have a, have a dawn service and minutes of silence, but we've never had anything for remembering what happened to the victims of colonization. Exactly, and the victims of the frontier wars and all of those sorts of things. That's a movement. There's also quite a few different festivals that happened um, in Sydney in conjunction with the... Um, with the March is the Yabin Festival, which happens, which is a, a massive gathering of people in the city and a celebration. In, in Melbourne, we have Belgrave Survival Day, which is up in the mountains, as well as the, the March. Like, there's a lot of things that are driven by Aboriginal people and driven by those, those people who care enough to realize that Australia Day really shouldn't be celebrated while we are so horrible to... Um, Aboriginal population that we've dispossessed and never acknowledged, you know, refugees and how we treat them on Manus Island. There's, you know, it's good to see them more people coming together about that every year. I did notice, so we, we I, I'll play you some grabs from the unbelievable Channel 7. Well, I should be unbelievable, but of course, Channel 7 is the net- network that actually broadcasts actual Nazis and promotes mm. them. In fact, we're fairly confident that the, uh, the, the flag wearing flag-wearing person who was in the middle of the post sort of charged himself in and then got sort of pushed out and Channel 7 used that footage to to try and portray the march as being violent and rowdy. We're pretty sure he's one of the Blair Cottrell, Neil Erickson mob, or he might be Neil Erickson. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not 100% certain who he was, but he's been identified as definitely being one of the neo-Nazi type people that Channel 7 is well aware of and they just sort of broadcast him as just just a bloke who's out there being patriotic. Yeah, and, like, He's out there in his Australia Day, you know, singlet and with his flag wrapped around him and his Australia Day bucket hat, you know, it's... But if you if you want to... So, you know, this is on a day that, 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 that Channel 7, I'm sure just before this would have been talking about how great it was that there are all these national celebration events that would have been blocking traffic and, and controlling, you know, occupying large parts of all these cities, but they're the ones that Channel 7 approves of. Uh, check out how Channel 7 framed their reporting of it. It's our national day when people of all backgrounds and beliefs come together to celebrate our great country. But not everyone enjoys the day. Thousands have marched through the city demanding not just a date change, but an end to Australia Day. A day of unity torn apart by violence. An angry crowd swarms around a man wearing an Australian flag and shouting abuse. A huge police presence form a ring around the man, moving him through the protesters, diffusing the flashpoint. And they're so triggered and upset that I was standing on Australia Day 26 and holding my flag. The rally began on the steps of Parliament, thousands gathering in the heart of the city, not just wanting the date of Australia Day changed, but a much more radical message. Get rid of Australia Day altogether. Handmade signs and flags flew high. As people of all ages shut down streets. The city forced into lockdown as crowds continued along Burke Street. It means a lot to us because there's a lot of people here supporting us. These protests have been happening for decades and each year continue to grow. The promise here is that they won't stop until the date is changed. Bigger every year. You know, we can't control it. Thankfully, police able to do just that, at least for now. Louisa Cheatley, 7 News. So I was following along on Twitter some of these things, and the the Victorian police stole the PA, well, yeah, they stole the PA and the microphone from the leaders of the march in Melbourne. They took it away from them because they were being too rowdy. 
So in reaction... Well, was it because they were being too... I never no, had I an think, explanation. I think, I think it's because they quote didn't... Quote, unquote, being too rowdy. So I used air quotes and you can't see those, um, which means they were not being polite white people. Um, Did they say angry protesting type things? Well, you know, they were saying things like abolish the day and, and no more genocide. And I did like how Channel 7 sees on that. So like of the people protesting, there would be a vast... Probably a majority of them who would be saying, just change the date. And then there'd be another significant proportion now saying, sod that, we shouldn't be celebrating. We don't deserve to have a, a national celebration while we've got and all these also, huge national shames in the mean. But Chelsea even just presented like the entire thing was just... Like abolish Australia Day. Rather than the idea behind the change the date, change the nation thing, is that there are systemic issues that we need to deal with. It's not just about changing Australia Day. It's also about changing how we treat our Aboriginal population, which is what where change yeah. the nation comes in. Which, but, which, by the way, people would... Or everybody who's saying... We would like to be able to, you know, you shouldn't be celebrating the nation now. It's not saying we don't ever want to celebrate the nation. They're saying we want to deal with it so we actually can genuinely celebrate it and there is something to genuinely they, celebrate. They actually quote someone saying that, but they make it sound bad. They, But the point that I was making was that if you were following along Twitter, after the PA was taken, they decided to do a sit-in at Flinders Street and basically sit in and, and block that intersection because they were like... Uh screw you, Vic Police, you've taken our PA system, you've taken our thing, we're not going to move, we're going to sit here and block this intersection, this is a peaceful protest, and then this guy walks through. Okay. This neo-Nazi guy walks through, and the police, of course, shield him, and he's yelling crap at the at the crowd, but the way the Channel 7 uh, presented exactly, as you hear from that quote that we just played, it is totally like, this poor man who accidentally got off at Flinders Station and just happened to walk through this protest and was abused and all oh, the the like the police do seem very chummy and they did at the St Kilda protest and they have and and it's a thing you see in America too like when when they were finally shutting down some parts of the more open uh, outright mm. segregation during that era um like the the, the the people wearing the hoods didn't disappear they they had been members of the police before and they like the police have always had these close connections with these far-right groups mm-hmm. and, and not just here, not just in America, in, in European countries before fascism overtakes them and things. Like, there's a, there's this is a historical thing and it's really disturbing every time you see the police work. I mean, police should shield somebody who is being attacked by a, an angry mob if that, and that's how they're trying to portray it. Like, and it doesn't matter, you know, if somebody's a, 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 the worst criminal in the world and they're leaving the courtroom and the angry mob comes storming out. Obviously, it's the police's job yep. to shield them. Like, that is... It's not a bad reflection on the police that they shield people from violence, but that's He's not... much like, more the instigator in this situation. And the footage of, that they had of him where they put in his quote, when they got him... He got more of a say than, than most people at the, at the march. Um, his quote... Like, you've got the police... They're just walking along with him, perfectly friendly. Like, it's all quite... A, it's all quite chummy. It's like as soon as they get him away from, from those filthy leftists, it's like, we all... You know, we're all white Australians. We're all, we're all mates. You know, I, you just look, I've got to get you away from there, but don't worry about it. Like, the whole attitude is way too chummy and supportive. And, and the, the Blair Cottrells and Neil Ericsons of the world know that. They know that they have support from people in the police. Like, And I think the big thing with this issue is to not forget this issue, to not let this issue come up January 26th every year um, and to make a, make a fuss about it and raise a voice about it and then to let it just fade away and go on with your reenactments of things Captain Cook never did. And- All right, let's do some ahistorical scummo stuff, starting with his crap about us, about January 26th itself and how tough it was on his ancestors. This- oh, God. <laughs> Here's scummo. 
Well, today is not a day for crab walking away from our history, as, as you heard me say today. I mean, 17th, uh, 1788, 26 January, for my ancestors was a pretty difficult day as well. They, they came not by choice and in some pretty desperate circumstances. Now, apparently, uh, that particular ancestor was granted a big chunk of land very shortly thereafter. Like, so within a few years, he was extremely rich and powerful anyway. Land that had been taken from those same Indigenous people. The quote I have is that within six years, he had a 30-acre grant of land on the edge of Sydney town and received larger land grants following years becoming a substantial landover and farmer. He didn't fare that badly living off proceeds of stolen land. It's a weird comparison to say... And it's just the whole tone deaf thing. And did you see the footage of um, some Indigenous people on a boat? And there's a white woman comes down there and on Australia Day is like telling them off for having an, an Aboriginal flag, and they want she wants it taken down. And they have this debate with her, and she's like, "But you know, you massacred white people." And um, what? Don't remember. Look, I'm fairly sure that in the middle of a colonization, yeah, some some Indigenous people did fight back. Um, yeah. And they tried. And it's pretty hard have. against pretty hard against people with firearms but um one of the things that is often thrown at um australian aboriginal people uh as like as a further slur to you as being the victims of colonization they turn around to them and they say well at least the native americans and the maori or they they all fought back more viciously you just you just sort of took it like they give this we've got this added slur being like oh well you guys you guys even you were even you deserved it you were too weak and there's all all these horrible blood love but anyway you hear it you hear it coming out from people like that who are like, but then, but then they'll say, oh, but but some of us were, were massacred. Well, no, there were some incidents where Indigenous people fought back and they were massacred in entirety. And we've all seen the Lachlan Macquarie, uh, the Governor Macquarie thing about hanging hanging them out to send a message of terror. Like that, literally the, the Governor of New South Wales is a terrorist. is demanding that yeah. there be acts of political violence to instill terror in a population. Well, and you also look at the fact that if you look at it, it was the 80th anniversary of a group of Aboriginal men who were taken from their homes, brought to uh, Sydney to reenact a first... Oh, the 1938 thing? Yeah. Oh, that's horrific. If you ever see the footage on... It is on YouTube, but um, oh, they basically forced... They, they were taken out of the missions where they were, they'd been, been basically held. They were taken away from their families and forced to reenact sort of startled natives being horror, being, being in awe of the white man for, for these ceremonies on, on the 26th of January 1938 in Sydney. It's horrific. It was just... But that's okay, because when Scott Morrison made his announcement, he managed to find some Aboriginal people who were happy to dress up and do a little miniature reenactment for oh, him. I, I don't know. I don't have a story of where they came from and how he organised that, but it was... Oh, and then we throw it because um, he and his mates they were sort of dressed up as, as like... English. Yeah, they were dressed up as as sailors, as like the English. Uh, was he actually dressed up, or was he just no, standing there? He wasn't. There? They had he was. They were standing there having a nice little chat. Ugh. And apparently, they're going to do a big reenactment for the the big anniversary. And well, obviously, we had last week uh, his bonkers thing with the, the what was it, the sixty seven million dollars of paying for a replica of the Endeavour uh, to oh to reenact Cook's Something voyage. Something that never happened. <laughs> The reenactment of the voyage that will call in all around uh, the east coast of Australia uh, for the 250th anniversary. And then Matthew Flinders started rolling so hard in his grave that they discovered his body. Exactly. So Matthew Flinders, the actual European who first circumnavigated Australia. And, and he's the European who circumnavigated Australia. We don't know who, yeah, who else had circumnavigated Australia in, in history. Although it might have been the first person to circumnavigate Australia because the previous groups weren't circumnavigating continents you know, on a voyage, I don't think I don't think anybody's suggesting that uh, indigenous people had gone. Well, let's just build a 
ship and sail around Australia. It would have been a weird, pointless thing to do. It was the Europeans who had this weird yen for mapping out chunks of the Pacific. Yeah, and it completely ignores Bungary, who was the Aboriginal Australian who actually travelled with Matthew Flinders and who Matthew Flinders uh, credits in a lot of his diaries and writing of saving them because they'd be like, oh, let's eat this plant. And he'd be like, nope, let's not do that. Well, and you get a lot of that with this woman who was telling off having the Aboriginal flag was talking about how uh, you know, it was the white people had gone off and explored and, they, you know, they'd opened up the continent and, and they're like, no. you know that they had indigenous people who kept them alive, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of them would have died a hell of a lot earlier if they hadn't had, had help from people. Who would, and in like, fact, one of the reasons, for example, something like the Broken Wills expedition went so poorly is because they didn't listen to the indigenous people who tried to tell them not to a travel at that time of the year, not to go that way, not eat this or that. Like they, they didn't actually listen and they just headed off on their own because they knew what they were doing. Now, we are not Indigenous people. We are two white people, a white Anglo-Australian and a white Canadian-Australian. So it is possible that we are not representing in the best way because of the limitations of our experience. What, we're trying, what we are trying to express is um, outrage at the minimising of, of Indigenous achievement and Indigenous... And, and, and trying to... And, avoiding the people who are avoiding dealing with what was done to indigenous people and the consequence to them of this colonization and and all of these just rubbing salt in the wound insults that we do now just to make it even worse because like people say if you change the date it's not going to fix all of those things no it's not but it would stop rubbing the salt in the wound each year in that particular way and, and that's also where the change the nation idea comes from the change the nation idea is from is exactly it's not about changing the date it is about changing how we systemically treat and have treated the aboriginal population of australia yeah and fundamentally if we do the right thing that we if we do what we need to do which is actually properly have have like a, a royal commissioner and an inquiry into what precisely happened over the over the australian history up until this point from when the Europeans arrived, what actually was done, what the events were, what the things that, that John Howard used to dismiss as a black armband view of history and try to minimise, we actually need as a nation to sit down and do them properly. Like a, like when um, when the, the, the apartheid era ended in South Africa and they had a truth and reconciliation, they sort of sat down and looked at all the, the wrongs that had occurred over that period. We need to sit down and do that. And one of the side effects of doing that, I suspect, would be that it would become increasingly obvious to the many... White Australians whose support of January 26 as, an, as a national unifying day is on the basis of being thoroughly ignorant about what it represents. Absolutely. And I think that if you if we had actually made a genuine effort to for all of us to see and hear what had actually happened, I think more people would be looking at it going, yeah, that date doesn't really fit what, what we who we want to be. No, it doesn't. It doesn't represent who I want to be, and it doesn't want to represent what my chosen home, what I wanted to be either. Um, I find it interesting that a lot of people who do... So it was 6.7 million for the Endeavour replica, not 67 million. So I mean, it's still a stupid amount of money that is unwarranted, but uh, it's 10%. It's 10 times less. I do find it interesting that a lot of the people who insist that Australia Day needs to be on January 26th ignore the fact that it's only been on January 26th since the 80s. Um, but also... Talk about well, it's been on various. It's like, been on various, like, but it's popped around as a national because it was New South Wales Proclamation Day. It's hopped around through history a lot, um, but they also have this saying where they're like, "Oh, well, that's history, and we can't deal with history, and and, and just get over it because it's history." But here's this thing from 250 years ago that we want to celebrate. Yeah, I love the "it's in the past, get over it." 
Now, everybody be quiet and don't insult the... Don't do anything less than abject um, like, humiliation in front of Anzac Day. We must, you know, we must obey, abase ourselves before... Um, before the, the, the fallen soldiers uh, and commemorate, you know, this has got to be the great. How much did we spend on those um, war memorials in France? Oh, too much. <laughs> but as you say, you know, how do we get over something that we haven't really acknowledged, that we haven't really accepted, that we haven't really said we did this? And I don't mean I didn't personally go out and do this. However, I am still a white person benefiting from the structural. Um, <laughs> Australia as a country is a continuing legal exactly. entity. Like it's changed. Between its names and its combined and so forth, but fundamentally, since the Europeans arrived here and took all that land, that's how the current Australian government is government over it is as a result of that history. Mm. So we are all, as citizens of Australia, beneficiaries of and part of and and members of the legal entity that is responsible. Yes. For doing that. So, yeah, the Australian government, the individuals didn't do it, but the Australian government deals with things that the individuals didn't do all the time. Exactly. Yeah, we need to we need to deal with it. I I very much do not want us to spend the rest of history having to have these history wars. I want us to deal with it, mm. make an actual effort to reconcile and address the wrongs of the past. Step one is finding out what they are. Step two is working out a treaty. We need an actual treaty. We need to sit down and actually figure out a reasonable. As we said at the beginning, this land was never ceded. Sovereignty was never ceded. There hasn't ever been a, a moment where. There has been a a transition that has been a real transition. It's only ever been one on built on violence. And you know, one of the great things would be to actually look at the most recent recommendations to Parliament um, that were made. Oh, the it? the Uluru Declaration, the, the request. Yeah, the Uluru, but just like it was just a few years ago, they they put together you know that talks about uh, Indigenous representation in the Parliament, but a lot of other things like Aboriginal people year. from across Australia. I thought it was two years ago now, but okay, Aboriginal people from across Australia came together, came up with it the, with these recommendations. Maybe we should acknowledge them. Maybe we should accept them. Maybe we should start following them. Yeah, but fun, fundamentally, the we the the resistance is the is from if we do deal with it properly there will be a cost to white Australia. Because, yes, stopping benefiting from this dispossession does in me, does mean actually some kind of um, cost to us in redressing it back. And Absolutely. that is a thing that we are profoundly unwilling to do. And I think step one is because we refuse, we don't even want to think about what it was, so we, we refuse to like look at it in case it points out to us that we actually do need to do something morally about it because we don't really want to do something morally about it because we're selfish. And... Um, it, that whole attitude needs to change. And I think step one is better education and and more people standing up at Invasion Day rallies and stuff was standing up and saying, no, no, we recognise this is bullshit. We don't know the full details of it. There's lots that, that still, you know, that needs a proper investigation, but we know enough to know this is wrong. Yeah. And I think it's also important to change our focus and to not just focus on this once a year, to not just look at this at January 26th and say, oh, look, I'm I'm an ally to Aboriginal people and friends um, because I want to change the date. Actually, look at what is behind the Change the Nation movement. There are a few really good hashtags up there. I think um, Indigenous X did a really great video about why Change the Nation was really important and talks a lot about like the structural inequality that still exists. And it's so wrong and it's so imbalanced and it's so needs to be fixed. And we just can't focus on this at one time of the year. We have to keep looking at supporting uh, local Aboriginal run charities and groups. Um, Redfern has a really great Aboriginal resource center where, you know, it's a community run based organization is looking at like the group that are 
helping the women with their fines in Western Australia. It's helping these groups throughout the year and not just at this time of the year, making it an issue. Yeah. The other thing that happened this week, of course, was we had a massive heat wave throughout the country just before the uh, the long weekend. Uh, and in Victoria, the coal-powered generators, uh, strongly linked with causing uh, climate change, so we have these more frequent heat waves, uh, failed. They were not. Yep. So the big line from conservatives that we need coal because it's reliable proved once again to be false that was the coal power generators that not only cause this problem or strongly to to exacerbating it but fail when needed because they're old and crap yeah they couldn't handle the loads they couldn't handle what was happening um the grid was saved by solar and wind exactly and interestingly um government was asking and the energy companies were asking large corporations and things to maybe cut back on their production during the heat wave and not enough took up that offer interestingly that you know the capitalist sort of um structure that is going to fix us and save us from climate change when asked by the energy companies and the government to you know pull back for a couple days didn't do that well and on the contrary we had some irresponsible lunatics out there calling on people to use more power in an effort to destroy to, to cause more problems in order to try and make the absurd point contrary logic that we need more coal the thing that's failing so that things don't fail as much and it's good that that's, that was just an internet crackpot and that wasn't anyone who sits in our Senate or runs a political party. The first part of that is true. It was an internet crackpot. Yep. The second part, sadly not true. Uh, she does sit in the Senate. Um, I'm Sorry, I'm going to play some audio. Oh, God. So, um, was it Pauline Hanson again? Yeah, Pauline, uh, content warning, Pauline Hanson. If this is, is too upsetting, uh, there'll be a, a timestamp. S- skip forward 30 seconds. Okay, here is Pauline actively causing for um, destruction or people to deliberately sabotage national infrastructure. I think there's a word for that. Well, have you heard the news? They're telling you cut back on your power. Don't do your washing. Don't do anything else. Cut back your electricity because it's putting a strain on the grid. You know what I'm saying? Go out and start up everything. Go and start your washing machine, ironing, vacuum cleaning, air conditioning, whatever. Because you know what? We're not even at 28% renewables yet. And yet when the Labor Party, under the Labor Party, Greens government, 50% renewables, what do you think is going to happen then? By you putting on your power, you're going to send a clear message to, to those out there that you can't cope with it now. You want to go to 50% renewable. How are you going to supply the needs that we have? People are on machines out there. For whatever reason, dialysis, then you got to hospitals, I know they've got the backup, but people in their own homes rely on this power. If they can't p- supply the power that the people need now, what hope in hell have we got? And if you go along with them, you're to blame for it as well. So send a clear message, start up your power and let them suffer. How are they going to cope with it? Because send them a clear message. We need coal-fired power stations. We possibly need to talk about nuclear. There's hydrogen. There's other power supplies that we can give. If we're going to rely on just solar and the wind, well, we're fools because we've got solar panels to deal with when they're finished. They leach carcinogenics, and then we've got the wind turbines. What's going to happen to them, as happened in America, to the wind turbines when they're finished with a blight on our eyesight, on our countryside? So go and use your power. Let's send them a clear message and stop being treated like fools. So hang on. Her point there 
is that it's really important that we have reliable power because people rely on it to live with dialysis machines, which she hasn't actually thought through what machines actually would be being yeah. uh, connected up and would be a problem if they were switched off, which sort of life support would be. And also she's unaware that if you have that kind of situation, you're not sub. That they have you have generators. You have you know the electricity company knows that you've got. Yes, you know, you know when you get new energy, they ask you if it's going to be used for life. Yes. Uh, do you have it. Do you have yeah. any life saving medical equipment that will run off this power? Because that way they know, and they there there are backup systems. They are required legally to provide some yeah. sort of backup system for you. So, but look, let's pretend that we're Pauline Hanson and we don't know that, and we think that what's actually happening is that if the power goes off. People are going to immediately. I mean, people will die from lack of air conditioning and so Absolutely. forth. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, to that extent, that's not wrong. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so let's pretend. Let's say that uh, people will die instantly more, more more quickly than Pauline because of the medical equipment, uh, as opposed to just boiling, cooking to death in in badly insulated homes because you know the regulations are so shit. And anyway, air conditioning is a whole a whole issue in, in terms of access for for people to start renting and so forth. But say we believe Pauline. Why on earth would you be calling for people to deliberately cause the grid to fail? If you've just said people's lives depend on this, now, everybody, let's do what we can to screw this up. Let's run more power. Let's run all our air conditioners and do our washing and do our... Like, what are you talking about? You are a mad woman. So she thinks that it's going to kill people, so she calls on her people to do that. And also, she is, of course, profoundly wrong. I do love that she just throws out there, you know, there's nuclear, nuclear. like, Rita Panahi was on, on one of the, um, talk, probably Sky, talking about how, you know, maybe we should look at nuclear. I love the fact that they, they just want to list, this matches my theory that a lot of what conservatives hey. ask for is just the shit that they know that lefties hate. Like, that's primarily the motivating factor. Nuclear is emission-free. It's 100% <laughs> emission-free. If you don't count the nuclear waste that needs to be continually cooled 24-7 for a couple of years until it's in a position that it can then be buried and we don't have government still shutdowns. degrade over hundreds of years, it's completely emission-free. Yes. I love that she's like, solar panels, they, they cause waste at the end of their life. That's true. How much electricity do they generate before then? And um, there so are ways factories. of mitigating that. So, yeah, exactly. Um I don't know what she's. I don't know where she th- what she thinks happens at the end of nuclear, uh, the nuclear generation process. No, no, neither do I. But so does like a bottling factory. If you run a bottling factory, which is running off your power, the bottling machine breaks down and it's going to have waste. Yeah, and like, our computers and all the rest of it all have. Oh like there is a waste problem, but it's certainly not one that's uh, better with nuclear. No. At, le- at least the waste isn't like you know causing radiation to leak out. It's one of those things um, when you work. Uh, in, in any sort of project-based field, you have a risk matrix. And your risk, your A-level risks are often really rare. They're not going to happen. But if they do happen, it'll be fatalities and, ca- and catastrophic. So you avoid the things that cause the A-level risks. Now, nuclear power has a lot of those A-level risks. They're really unlikely to happen. You're probably not going to have a nuclear meltdown. You're probably not going to have massive earthquakes or a tr- uh, that will uh, and uh, tsunamis that affect your coast. And, well, not in Australia. We probably you know, in Japan, um, or you're not going to have a, a, a Chernobyl. But guess what? They do actually happen, and when they happen, they're catastrophic. And also, conservative governments have regularly looked into trying to bring in nuclear, and it's always come out that it's not worth that. The costs are not worth yeah, the benefits. The ben- building a factory, building a nuclear plant would take what ten to fifteen years minimum. Would cost millions and millions of dollars, and before they even billions of dollars, probably and before they even recoup it. Yeah, like it's, it's madness. But she's from the Minerals Council, isn't she? No, she's got no idea what she's talking about. It's just mad. Uh, I just love the idea of somebody 
out of sheer spite, and you can if you see the footage of it, you can see just the the hate in her eyes because in her head it's the, the, the those filthy leftist Victorians and they deserve to suffer. So if you're one of my you know patriotic listeners or followers and you live in that that godless land down south, do your bit to destroy it. <laughs> Get out of the Senate, you but you you crazy mumpet. Um, there's some some random scummo stuff here. There's uh, this sleazy scummo footage of him comparing wives with the Fiji PM. I've learned a few things about the Prime Minister over the last couple of days and in our other meetings we've had in Australia. I've worked out, particularly on this visit, but we've both chosen well in terms of uh, Mrs. Barney Marama and Jen. And it was great for them to be able to meet here and I think we've done pretty well, you and I. Maybe punching a bit above our weight, but ne- nevertheless, I think we've done well. Yeah, so that one follows the one that we had uh, months ago of him doing, making the sleazy remarks about his mates, going, ha, 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 with uh, Pamela Anderson. You know what? I am so... Wow. World leaders comparing how well they're... How hot their wives are. Exactly. Oh, we punched above our weight. What? What does that... What does that even mean? You know exactly what it means. I do, but it means my wife is is really hot. So I I am therefore... You know, I I scored on on the wife thing, so good for me. So I win, like, some sort of prize? It's a macho and- comp- competition thing, yeah. My, my girlfriend's hotter than theirs, so I'm better. Wow, because what we really need in our world is more macho competitions. Yeah, oh, it's, sorry, all, all the idiotic punchbacks about people going, oh, well, uh, all these people complaining about toxic masculinity, but, but if you didn't have masculinity, you know, if, if kids who don't have fathers grow up lower outcomes. and Yeah, because the difference between toxic masculinity and masculinity is the toxic part of it. Exactly. It's like the idea of having a toad. There are thousands of species of toad out there with no toxicity that live in the environment that are fine. There's a few species of toad that you don't want to lick or eat or do anything to because it will kill you. Weird analogy. I don't think you should be licking any toads. even the ones. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, you know, it's just it's an analogy. It's one of those things. Well, how about, how about this one? Uh, look, they say that dangerous driving is bad, but I need to drive to get to work. Therefore, dangerous driving is good. Yeah. Driving's good, therefore dangerous driving's good. I am in, un- incapable of distinguishing yeah, well, between exactly. those things. Exactly, so therefore drink driving is fine. Like, you know, if if all driving is fine, therefore drink driving is fine. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen the footage too? So uh, another, in terms of actual crises that are facing Australia and don't get proper attention, uh, being the incredible number of women murdered by men constantly. Oh, God. Um, so the... Uh, There's a student in Melbourne who was just walking home one evening. She was doing everything right. She was talking to her sister on the phone, so she had an open phone line. You know, she was staying to well-lit areas, and she still got attacked and killed. So Scummo went to her memorial and tweeted not about her, not 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 for... He tweeted a picture of himself from like from behind, looking all somber stuff. But he made it about himself. It's like uh, Trump and and uh, and and Melania at the Holocaust thing yesterday. Yeah. Like they make sure that there's this sort of faux humility and and expression of of sympathy, which is really just clearly about promoting themselves. That's yeah. why they put a photograph of themselves out there. Yeah, it's just. It's gross. And, you know, there is absolutely a place for the Prime Minister to acknowledge that he's at this event, It's but it's in the context of sitting there saying, this is important, we need to change this, this shouldn't be happening in our country. Um, you know, I was honoured to attend this, but saddened that I had to. Uh, like, there's... He doesn't even just say that he's there, he can just well, make a comment but... about the thing and, and be there. He doesn't need to... Yeah. Anyway. All right. I wanted to do uh, a bit of, bit of coverage of the insane uh, 
audit of, of history courses in Australia by the IPA's uh, Dr. Abrera, the woman who was out there saying, the IPA's done it, we've done our own research and it shows that Australians don't want Australia Day moved from January 26. Yes, because the IPA's research is, their polls are definitely, uh, definitely reliable and objective and, and not in any way uh, <laughs> distorted to achieve a certain political end. But uh, look, given the, given the timing, I think we might we might leave IPA Watch to the next episode, but oh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll squish in a short episode where we just do an IPA Watch episode for a bonus. Maybe yes, Ooh. around impending small human. Um, yes, there's some hilarious just overreach there. But anyway, I think we'll leave it there for for this one. Uh, thank you to everyone for coming back. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers for supporting the podcast and keeping it going. Uh, sorry, we've been, there's a little bit of unreliability in terms of our timing this week and next week and last week due to, you know, those sorts of factors that sometimes the, do impact on podcast And recording. the next few weeks maybe a bit back and forth because, as we say, we do have an impending human, but then we're going to be getting right back on the horse and lining up some excellent guest hosts and it'll be fun. Yeah, so there should be still some episodes. Yeah, we had some, uh, there, there were some sort of health issues that we had a guest host lined up last week and and, and there were some there's been some health issues that have caused that one to, uh, to go awry. So uh, what we're going to do is leave it for here and um, we will see you all in the in the very near future, pos- probably this week or next week, in at le- at the, with at least a mini episode. But I'm expecting there should be a full episode next week anyway. So yes, we will see you very soon, and thank you for listening. All right, bye.